One of the biggest impacts of this pandemic has been on our educational system. COVID has created immense challenges to education in our country in so many ways, physical, emotional, logistical, and even political. Hello, and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Joining us now is someone who knows all too well about the pandemic's effects on our education. So excited to welcome President of Stockton University, Dr. Harvey Kesselman. Thanks so much for being here. I'm very, very pleased to be here and um, uh, excited to be with you. I haven't seen you in a bit and it I'm looking been. forward to having a chat. Haven't seen anyone in a bit, unfortunately, <laughs> right? Well, let me just say you hold the unique distinction of being the only sitting university president who was in the inaugural class of the institution he serves. That's incredible. So congratulations on that. That's a Guinness Book record, I think, something like well, that. Some folks have said that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it, uh, you don't plan that. When you come in entering a school, the first class in school, you don't think, oh, by the way, I'll, you know, I'll be the president down there some 40 years later. So. <laughs> It's not something you think about. Well, you, well, you certainly did it. Nor do you plan it. for it. Nor do you well, plan for it. So, well, it's something that you yet you are well deserving of. It. You've been with Stockton in various roles for four decades now, president since 2016, and you have seen the institution become a university, expanded new communities, new campuses, including Atlantic City, and you have also faced many challenges. But I have to ask you, was there anything that ever could have prepared you for a global pandemic uh, during your tenure at Stockton? It, it is something that would never cross one's mind that this could happen, and, and, and as quickly as it happened. I mean, if you think about when we first heard about it and how quickly it spread to the United States and Jersey and, and completely you know, shut down the world. Uh, you know, I, I am fortunate and blessed to have been in the same place, but I've been in many different roles. So I'm pretty experienced in the concept of higher education, meaning I was VP for student affairs, I was VP for admin and finance, I was the provost and executive vice president, dean of school of education, all of those different roles that I've had, but nothing, absolutely nothing prepares you for a pandemic, particularly one that has been so, you know, almost comprehensive in, in it shut down everything that we do. And, it, and I've never seen a campus go from the vibrant campus, um, you know, on one day in March and four days later, completely empty, empty. I mean, it was absolutely incredulous, quite frankly, yeah. and, and challenging. And I can't overstate how the faculty and staff pulled, how much they pulled together, went from an institution, remember Stockton is a face-to-face -face institution. 95% yes. of our courses are face-to-face, -face, or certainly were, okay? And all of our faculty, you know, that's where their, you know, pedagogical skills are in a face-to-face -face education. And at the beginning of spring break last March, I think it was March 9th, March 10th, whatever it was, right around there, you know, I announced we're shutting down because, you know, Rutgers announced a couple other sure. ones going to move out. And then they had five days, five days to, you know, go from face-to-face -to, -face to online. And, and we limped through the end of the term through gallant efforts by not just our faculty and staff, but our students, because our students signed up for face-to-face -face. and i mean and and that they, they had to they had to also pivot it was incredible pivoting that was occurring uh simultaneously to the unknown aspect of you know how is covid going to affect affect people if they get it or their family members get it so all of those intervening variables 
you know, cause great fear. and great Yes, of fear. course. I think we'll look back in our lives and say, how did we even get through that? I mean, exactly. we just, it was a shock to the entire world and we all had to figure it all out. So what were those first days like? Was it just a scramble? Yeah. Did you have to meet all the time? What, oh, what did you goodness. have to do? We, we met, we were meeting. And when I say we, my key cabinet members, myself, and, uh, you know, some other key players, the, the heads of the unions, you know, the heads of the faculty, student senate, those kinds of heads of the faculty senate. We were meeting literally eight, nine, ten times a day because every, we, you know, we were guided by FD, you know, CDC guidelines, Department of Health, federal, as well as state, FDA, all the different agencies that were coming out with different kinds of information. And then, of course, you add the uh, almost the competitive nature of the media that's coming out with different interpretations of what we're going on. And you, you have to you have to try to cut to the chase, find the facts within it and make decisions that work for Stockton. One, one, because we were uniquely, at least I always took the position that we were uniquely positioned. We were different than the other ones. We've always grown horizontally and I'll explain the difference rather than vertically. So I didn't have to worry about high rise dormitories. Our dormitories have lots of singles, lots of doubles. We have lots of space between them. So I kept saying that Stockton could weather this storm better than many of our sister colleges and universities because of A, we have a 1600 acre campus. Okay, we have a large campus. We're not on top of each other. We have a lot of space. Uh, we, we, we have always been flexible because that's just the nature of Stockton. We were founded to be that kind of an institution. So we're adaptable. We've always been the least reliant on funding from the state. So as a result, we're the least reliant on the state. So we've always been, so that's the positive. The, the only positive of being not we're not anymore but we've been fortunate the last few years but the only positive of being the least funded is you're also the least reliant so right. what i was able so i was able to you know convince the governor and his staff and and it was let stockton be flexible when it comes to the colleges and universities because i always believed that the students were as safe here if not safer here than they were for many of them when they went home particularly mm -hmm. those who went from North Jersey or more urban environments where there was there wasn't the kind of technological support there wasn't the kind of 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 but you know even medical support remember i have two hospitals on this campus right and, exactly. we, and so and and we have our urgent care center at the Atlantic City campus so we we've always had you know a lot of a lot of medical support if we ever need that kind of assistance we also have space and that one of the things to control the pandemic was social distancing. And we, we, so our doubles became singles and we, we were, and you know, our triples became doubles or court. So, oh my, I can't imagine coordinating all that. I just cannot incredible. imagine. And, yes. and it, it had to be done in days. It wasn't like that normally takes months to coordinate. <laughs> sure. That. And so we were like every day, there were times I was waking up. Everyone knows that I'm, a, everyone here knows I'm an early riser. Fours, when I normally wake up, like I'm back to four now. But for that first six months, it was two. I mean, I couldn't oh even sleep. Goodness. Worrying about because you worry about you know you got you got young people here you've got your staff we have ten thousand students thirty five hundred residential students seventeen hundred employees that's a lot of people and and it's not like a city we're we're more responsible in a way I mean we need to you know we we people you know they give us their children to take care of you know you're you're about ready to yes my daughter is coming <laughs> then, there as a freshman another yes, another yes. but so we feel a sense of obligation to try to provide as 
you know, as great an educational experience, but also a co-curricular experience. My great concern for young people your daughter's age, okay, is that they've missed, you know, a good portion of their their senior year, a good portion of their junior year. Yes. And we want to do everything we possibly can to give them a normal kind of experience in their in their first year of college. Sure, whatever normal is these days, you know, whatever. it has changed so much. And I know it was challenging for everyone. My, my son was at Rowan last year and right. so many kids missed out on so much. And it's the social, uh, we need to be face-to-face with people yes. and we're all trying to do that. And I know that you work so hard to, to make that happen. And uh, what goes into making the decisions? Do you have a point person in the state that you speak with or who makes the final decision? How do you know what's right, what's not right? What do you, how do you figure a, that out? Well, I always have to be guided by the law. Okay, so that, that's important. Yeah, start and, with and, that. Let's start with the <laughs> let's law. Start with the law. <laughs> have to abide by the law. Okay, which, which we do. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, one of the things we, we're very close and I personally very close with the former secretary of higher education, Zakia Smith-Ellis, who was the secretary when this started, and the current one, Brian Bridges. Uh, and so they're, they're the people I interact with the most. Now, I've, I also interact with several people in the governor's office and the governor himself uh, on, on situations involving, because, uh, because in addition to being president of Stockton, I'm the chair of the New Jersey President's Council and have been, that's what I inherited, the pandemic in that role. And that's the, that's the chair of all the presidents at the college and universities in New Jersey. So that group, so I, I have to rely a lot on the state, a lot on the Department of Health in the state, of course, a lot on the county. I mean, county government in Stockton are very close in situations that involve something like the pandemic, CDC guidelines, federal guidelines and the like. But when push comes to some at the very, very end of the day, I, I make the final decision. I have a great team uh, my executive vice president, chief of staff, Dr. Susan Davenport, Davenport is, you know, is a point person for me here um, and, and other key advisors in that regard, obviously my legal team and things like that. But ultimately, the decision rests with the president for many of these things. Absolutely. And do you hear pushback from any of the students or parents regarding some of the decisions you've made? Always, there, there's never, you know, all you were, all you, one of the things that you learn after all the years that I've been in public life, and I'm, and this is very public, as a president of the university, but all the years I've been in public life, you're not going to please everyone all the time. What you got to do is please the majority of the people all the time. And I think that what what we do is we've done the vast majority. It's and you you tend to hear from the ones who are against what you're doing or not against, but they oppose or they think differently than you do. And you don't really always hear from the ones who support what you're doing. But when you do, believe me, that is really encouraging. And, and the silent majority is truly that. The silent majority supports what you're doing. They know the intention uh, is, is a good one. There, there's one advantage having been in the inaugural class at this institution, I don't think there's anyone who knows it better than me. And most of the most of the people who entrust their children here, or their, or their, you know, or they themselves come, they may question my decision, but never my intention. I, I don't think anyone questions I wouldn't do what I believe is best for Stockton, and and that's that's an advantage of having the history that I do. That is absolutely, and and of course nobody would question your intentions. You always have the students, uh, students first, isn't that your motto? You always have their best interests at heart. So that's true. I want to fast forward to today, but before we get to that, I just would like to take a minute to talk about mental health and mm -hmm. how it has affected the students and the faculty and what you're doing to address that. Well, yeah, the students, both, both have been really, it's been so trying for them. 
Um, and in many respects, I think the students in some, some respect are more adaptable, more flexible, but it's gotten too long now. Um, that's why they really got to get back to a sense of normalcy and they, and, and they miss that social interaction. I'm, I've, I've been very worried about the faculty and staff because this is really, in addition to, remember, in many of them have children themselves and they had to you know, jockey work in a whole new environment as well as taking care of the kids if, if in fact the kids were in school. Oh yeah, we're all used to that. The kids yeah. screaming in the back, the dog yeah. barking. I mean, this is where we are now. Yeah. So the mental health <laughs> aspect of it so we've done in addition to providing more counseling we've done a lot of telecounseling telehealth the kinds of things that you see going on in society at all mm -hmm. we mirrored so we we hired those kinds of entities to help us with the load because the workload was incredible try to set up peer groups between students as well as peer groups between faculty and staff and just keep encouraging that we you know we know how hard you've worked we know how much you're giving you know we've tried to you know take the pressure off of them in every which way possible you know we spent millions, literally, making this place safe, putting up the plexiglass, ensuring, ensuring social distancing, wearing the mask, everything you was washing up, vaxxing up, and, and all the different kinds of things that, that we've tried to encourage. Uh, keep in mind, we also, last summer, from about, mm, I guess it was May through maybe August, we housed the Atlantic Care. I'm pointing over there because that's where the Atlanta, <laughs> in my office, that's where it is. The Atlantic Care personnel, okay, at one of our dormitories, and so that they didn't have to go home because they, again, they were facing, they were the frontline people. So yes. they were living wow. in what's called our GALP residence halls and then going back and forth to the hospitals right across the street. So we were housing hospital personnel. Our nursing students were assisting, um, you know, all the way through the vaccinations and everything else. So we've been engaged in eradicating the best we can uh, COVID in the region, uh, but as well as making sure that the people who are doing it are, you know, get some R&R, needed R&R. &R yes, and, and so important. And, and, you know, and mental health has been in the news so much more. Mm -hmm. that if you could call it that there's anything positive that has come out of COVID, I think it has shined a light on the Absolutely. importance of mental health. And I've become so much more aware of it in my 30 some years doing this uh, as a reporter, th that it's not mental health, it's not physical health, it's total health, it's all oh, together. And it's part of our, it's part of us. And it's important for us to give it the same weight as we would a physical ailment. One thing, I'm happy you brought that up. One thing I did to, to keep my mental health, because I knew I would, you know, I have to go down with the ship. I said, no matter what happens, I'm coming into work every day. So, God bless and, you for that. <laughs> and so, so, uh, so I was really safe. I had, I had my, both my homes. Okay. My, my home with my wife. Okay. And this home. Okay. And so that's the only two places I went, went nowhere else. So I was, I was fine in that regard, but I started literally on a treadmill every morning for an hour, an hour and 10 minutes before I can very early in the morning, clear my head, just rest, get back into, I, I, I did not gain weight during the pandemic. So I really worked on my physical health which I felt would help support my mental health because it was so stressful. And there's no science behind this. There's no, when I say science about how to, how to handle it, there's great right. science behind, you know, what went through the vaccination and all that and what, what CDC is doing, but there's no, there's no playbook to go through. Here's how no. you handle the pandemic like right. this. There's right. no tabletop exercise we could do. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. All the, all the things that we felt we understood, okay, were were questioned and but good has come from that. Uh, good, yes. You know, meaning like for example, the communication 
between and among like presidents have never been better, but not just the presidents, but under the president. So the vice presidents for student affairs in the whole state would get together on Zoom conferences and try to talk through the issues. So there's been more collaboration and cooperation between and among universities and colleges, whether they're community colleges, universities, research universities, private colleges, just so we all know what each other's doing. There's been a great amount of support in that regard, which would have never happened because we're competitive. We're competitive. And of course. In, yeah. But you had a common enemy to fight now. Yeah, you know? exactly. So that's what so happens. This, this made us much more likely to work together. And I think that's going to be a long term benefit. And then obviously how we utilize technology and that, I'll, I'll, I'll go into that later or now, but how that has really changed um, our ability to reach out to populations that we haven't been reaching out to, for yes. example, we're, you know, 95%, I said, of our courses are face-to-face, -face, but 95% of our students are between traditional age. Now we can expand our programs because we have done more online to, you know, non-traditional students, which long-term are going to become the traditional students. And that yes. is over 25 and over who want to come back and get more skills or want to come back and get a credential. doesn't have to be a master's degree. It could be a, uh, you know, a continuing ed. It could be a certification of some sort. And it's not so out of the norm now to use technology. Before everyone was like, how do you get on this Zoom? Absolutely. And what do you do it? Now we all get it. Everyone gets it now. And Exactly. And there are advantages. One of the things I have noticed, meetings, although I, there's still nothing like face-to-face. -face. I agree. I agree. But meetings, the attendance is great because you don't have to worry about travel. So every, like, when I met with the 50 You can't get out of it either. <laughs> I know. I know. You're like this. I keep I, I, I bragging to my colleagues. I said, I'm the only president who's ever chaired this that gets the kind of attendance. So, <laughs> because no one has to go anywhere. Because normally we have to go to Rutgers. We have to go somewhere else. So everyone shows up because they, yeah, they can't get out of it. And, and you'd hate for them to stand up. Do you know everyone's wearing shorts underneath, yeah. right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's where we are. Each other about that. that but it's a lot of fun. so so do you see the future of of education as having you know i don't know what percentage but a huge online component i mean it's already headed that way now be, i here's i don't think it'll be completely on in other words hybrid a lot more one day you're in class one day you're online and and that kind of stuff but much more i i don't nothing well let me let me restate that certain academic programs are are lend itself to online education, like business programs. You can do a lot of those programs online. You can't do labs online. You yes. can try to do labs online. So remember, Stockton produces 22% of the STEM graduates in the whole state college sector. Okay, that means we spent all that money building. Yes, <laughs> beautiful new science centers. Two science buildings, a health sciences building. That's our quad. That's state-of-the-art equipment and like i said to the legislature yesterday i was with several members of the legislature i said i didn't i didn't build all those buildings to be online <laughs> we, <laughs> we want people here and you didn't pay for all those buildings yes. for us to be online. so i said but so but but there are things we can do to enhance for example let's say let's say we and there's a lot of folks who want you know more opportunity for remote remote work now, let's say right now, let's say our advising offices are open, typical business hours, nine to five. But let's say we decide one or two advisors can work you know, can work from home. Well, they wouldn't work from home nine to five. They would work from maybe one to nine. Okay, so that you extend the hours so that students will benefit. And now I'm open to any kind of iteration so long as students 
benefit, meaning that they get more services as a result of that shift than less services or the same services. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think business is going that same route as well. You see that there's a lot of hybrid now, people going to the office. I, it's funny because people, I'd love to work at home. And then once they worked at home for a year and they had pajamas on all day, they right. were like, I'd kind of like to get out. Right. <laughs> so you're seeing a hybrid now. <laughs> and, and hybrid hybrid works. Let me let me say, as as someone who, you know, I don't, I, I don't hire as many people as I used to because I don't really only hire the cabinet, you know, underneath is other people hire and then recommend. But, but if you don't see a person, if you don't see them and you don't interact with them, it, they're not going to be on your radar. I don't care how good they are. And, and that part of why we, you can't, I can't mentor them. I can't teach them. I can't work with them. Like I do, if I hire, you know, a newer, I don't want to say younger because you're not allowed to use age, but if I hire <laughs> a newer, okay, uh, senior member of my staff, right? Um, part of my job is to make sure and that person is mentored appropriately, you know, understands the profession appropriately. And I can't do that if I don't see them. There's something, the spontaneity of me walking into their office and saying, hey, how's your day been? You have any issues? That's all gone. Okay. Yes. So don't underestimate the importance of that in an environment, in a, in a business, our business, yes. which is a face-to-face -face business by its very nature. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And but it is nice that people are understanding that, you know, we might be able to do it as a hybrid for any business. Right. Exactly. Which is good. So let's talk about today, because <laughs> I saw that there is a mass mandate in place. And I tell my daughter who's coming in the fall and she's like, oh, really? <laughs> Got to be honest. Nobody. We, we thought we got rid of them. It's heartbreaking. Wait a minute, I gotta show you. I pulled these all out today. I pulled these all out, all of my masks. <laughs> we thought we could burn them, and some people did burn them. And now I, I feel like back. burning them. And yeah, yeah. well, here, well, as you well know, okay, I mean, the Delta variant is serious. It's, it's serious now. What concerns me and, and, and is that it's impacting younger people now. We knew it would because mm -hmm. my age group, yeah, those of us who survived and think, I, I didn't have it, but those who we got it as quickly as we could over 90 some percent of, you know, senior citizens yep, got vaccinated. Are, are vaccinated. And so, you know, I put in the student mandate May uh, and I put in the employee for, and I want to thank my faculty union and professional staff unions who 100% behind me doing this, uh, you know, for all the managers, temporary employees, um, faculty and staff, they have the vaccinations um, of required vaccines. But, but here's the problem is that, you know, I'm going to have, this is contagious and the variants are contagious. And until we know how people react to it with have the vaccine, particularly young people, okay, I want to have a mask mandate until I'm comfortable and the, and the science suggests that maybe we can back off later on. But remember, and this is what scares me about this as the president of the university, and, and I, my colleagues would certainly confirm this, is that this is the least likely time for the variant to spread. It gets worse when, when we close the doors, it's mm -hmm. winter and things like that. Remember, we're still outside 70% of the time or as much as we can be outside. So I worry about that. So we need to have the mess along with the vaccination to at least have some sense of security. We're not going to have a breakout here because we were, well, knock on wood, we, were the, we had the highest percentage of students residing on campus of any college in New Jersey last year. Highest percentage, okay? 75% of our normal population on campus were living here. And we had no major bre uh, uh, breakouts at all. That's so amazing. we practiced, it is yes. amazing. 
I want. I don't want to. I don't want to roll the dice with the variants because I don't know what the variant. How, just how and that's the problem this. with this. This is new for everyone. We don't exactly. know enough about it. Right. And better to be safe than not safe. Better, exactly. Better be safe than sorry. So I know kids aren't gonna really no, like it, but at least like, they're back in class. And, and that's, and that's great. Uh, I, I don't mean, I, exactly. We don't want to have to go back to the online if we can help it. And we know, and here's the thing is, is that the least advantaged kids are hurt the most by it too, because A, they, they didn't have, many of them went home. They, even if, even if we provided them with the laptops and we did, okay, we provide, they didn't have the Wi-Fi capabilities. Yes. They didn't. So we got a little Wi-Fi. So it, it was, it was so what, what, what more privileged folks like us take for granted, we forget. Mm -hmm. And so yes. they're, and so the least advantage are always hurt the most. And they were, that's why we tried to keep as many of them on the campus as possible. Cause we knew they would be fed. Well, we knew that we had the medical resources. We knew they had the technological support. We knew they had all the kinds of things that would support them. Uh, and and I, I thank also, the governor for giving yes. the stock the stock and the flexibility to let us do that. That's, that's great. And I hope we don't have to go back to it, but I know you'll if you do, if we do, you'll be set up for it this time around, which is exactly. a lot easier. Far better than the first time around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for everyone. But I know, you know, I also believe uh, in my heart that a younger person, especially a freshman, my daughter starting yeah. school there, uh, learns better in person. Absolutely. I know for her, she can talk to the teacher better. It's easier. And I think teachers... It, they find it easier to communicate no, oh, to no their question. students no face question. to face. Yeah. My faculty are, are cannot wait to be back in the classroom. They 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 tried it. They experimented with. They they'll use some of it in, in what they're doing now. But no, they miss that energy. Remember, we have the, the highest proportion of full time tenure and tenure track faculty. These are these are people dead. This is their primary profession, their way of life, and they want to interact with students. So I, yeah, I, I think it's great and. Listen, the reason I'm sitting here now is the faculty who interacted with me way back when at the Mayflower Hotel and when we first came over here. So, you know, that's the reason I'm sitting here. They gave me all the time and energy and attention far more than I deserved. And I tried to suck it all in. And I was very fortunate, you know, that that I had that kind of an experience. And I want to make sure any student who comes to Stockton continues to have that kind of experience. Well, you can see you're you're so very passionate about it. And, and I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about the future of Stockton. But before I, I go there... Just talk to me about some of the political situations going on with masks and vaccines. And are you hearing that now, you know, going into the, to this new school year? You know what? I, I do hear, but that's the kind of thing I sort of put blinders on. I, you know, number one, I'm bipartisan by nature. I have, you know, people on both sides of the aisle, both sides of the spectrum that I can sit down and talk with. And, and I'm comfortable in that environment. I think they're comfortable in that environment. Um, once in a while, you get a few extremes that you have to deal with the extremists and you deal with it. Okay. Um, again, having been in the business as long as I have, I don't let it really get me down. You make decisions based upon what you think is right. If you make more right decisions, <laughs> decisions, you'll be, you'll be fine. You're doing yeah, okay. you're hearing yeah. noise. <laughs> you'll, be yeah. fine. you'll get, I'll get the occasion, whatever the situation may be. And remember in the midst of this was a George Floyd matter. Yes. Okay, yes. Is, you know, so there was a lot of other things going on at the same time, which caused, you know, even more energy, political energy. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a difficult year. <laughs> 2020. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. but I think, listen, as long as I'm never concerned about well-intentioned political beliefs. I'm only concerned about uh, the ones that I, I will ignore are those where I don't think it's well-intentioned when it looks like it's an attack rather than a, what, trying to espouse what you really believe. Right. 
Well, that's that's a good point. So let's end on a positive note. Okay. Where is Stockton going in the future? How are things today? You have a huge enrollment. It's growing. Yeah. It's an amazing, beautiful campuses. Just I'm excited. I mean, you, you know that we you know phase two, which is the next set of dormitories on in, in Atlantic City. Uh, the the Eldridge building is down. We took it down brick by brick because we couldn't we couldn't implode it. Uh, and so that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, you're going to be seeing more steel. Remember, our first building phase one was the first steel in over a decade that went up. More steel is going to be going up. I want to you know I'd love to see a coastal resiliency and marine science center at Gardner's Basin. That I would love to have Stockton have that. I think Gardner's Basin is ripe for a blue economy. If we can get it dredged, get the clamors back there, get the restaurants back there. Oh, that would uh, be great. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, why Please not? Get the furries coming in, get the furries <laughs> yeah. coming in from New York so we can get the millennials. Remember, the reason I always tease my North Jersey friends, I said the only reason Asbury and Park and Long Branch and those that have done so well is because that's where the train stops. If we can get people <laughs> down to Atlantic City, okay, easily, particularly the millennials, we can get them down to Atlantic City, and that's the way to do it. Could you imagine a Friday night furry, furries coming down Atlantic City with millennials? They stay here, they buy condos, gamble, then go back on Sunday night. There's no that. reason that can't happen. And so, you know, so the college, part of what I believe the role of Stockton is, and the state does too, thank goodness, because in 26, I actually began the president in 2015, but in 2016, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, my mistake. That, no, that was, it's just a month ago. Uh, in 2016, we were named an anchor institution. So there's an obligation on our part to not only build and provide educational opportunity, that, that's who we are, that's what we do. You know, forget the brick and mortar, we're about teaching and learning, but are also what our responsibility is, is to be an economic engine for the region. And, and that, if, if we can do it, and, and like I've always said to the state, this time, if you want us to be an economic engine, you're going to help us. You're not going to just say Stockton, and they have. The governor, Senate President Sweeney, all of the, both re, Republican and Democrats have supported Stockton's growth in the city. I'd like to continue. And then phase three would be that big parking lot next to our dorms, which is called Lot 21, which is now a huge parking lot, a full city block. That would be Phase 3. That would be a spectacular, multi-purpose kind of area uh, that would include housing, some academic space, but might include an Apple store. It might include you know, other kinds of things for the region. So that's what I'm looking there. Want to expand our athletic fields here. I mean, put up a, an athletic facility on Pomona Road and also bump out Big Blue to add some more um, weight rooms and things like that over there. So there, and I want someone out there who would like to donate and be the fourth building of our quad. I'm ready to build one on there. Okay, there's a, there's a shout out to anybody there's who a would shout like out. to donate. <laughs> wow, you're not too busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no wonder you get up at four o'clock in the morning it's, you need well, to you know, I, I just it's great stuff. you listen you, you only you only have this one opportunity you know the job as a president is and i said this at the beginning is that each day I, my job is each day to make that degree more valuable when i when that stockton degree so that stockton degree today is more valuable might not might, i'm not gonna say it was a better degree because no one's got a better degree than i got here but it's more valuable out there in the market than it was yes. then Okay. Yes. And when I no longer can do that, somebody else should come in and do that. And that that's 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 my goal. I say this from my heart because I know a lot of people who went to Stockton, several of my cousins graduated, friends of mine. I have never heard somebody say a, a negative word. I really haven't. It's they amazing. have had wonderful experiences exactly. at Stockton. They've really loved it. 
it's a sense of community. And you know what? The it's because of the mistake. And the mistake was it's a, it's amazing how fate works out. And when you think of it, as you know, maybe we were not supposed to open up in a hotel in, in a basically a condemned hotel at St. James in, in Tennessee called the Mayflower. The, there was a roofer strike here. And so the, we couldn't get finished on time. So think about it. So and, and, and just envision this. You, when you go to away on a conference, Okay, and and you stay you stay with like your fellow you know participants for just two days or three days. You eat together. You go to workshops together. You may go out and you know at nighttime together. You bond like this. It's like it's an experience. Imagine the first semester that the faculty, students, staff, people lived, ate, and took classes in a hotel together, and that built a sense of community that we then brought over to here. That we've never lost and that sense of community that's what you're taught that's what people feel is yes. that sense of community and all you have to do is come on this campus this one or ac and you feel it the second you go on there because it's like a sense a sense of family and that we've never lost no matter how much we've grown when i started it was a thousand students and 50 faculty that's what it was that's amazing that is amazing <laughs> and it's such a great story and then you've come full circle and went back to atlantic city well, that, that's what and it was funny incredible. because people thought i was nuts because we had still owned the show Boat. And I said, I don't care that we'll get rid of the showboat. I said, I said, we'll sell it and thank Bart. I'll give Bart Blatstein hugs and shouts out because yep. he bought the showboat and has done great things with it. But I said, we're moving forward in Atlantic City either way because we knew, okay, that Atlantic City was part of our birth and it's going to be part of Stockton for as long as there is a Stockton. And one thing, there's another great thing about being a university president, you know, and I, I've said this before publicly. I said, I don't know what will be in Atlantic City 200 years from now, 300 years from now but i do know one thing there'll be two entities that will be in atlantic city the atlantic ocean and stockton those two things <laughs> will be in atlantic city i don't know I what else will be there and imagine going to school with the atlantic ocean as your as your backyard you know what could be better than that unbelievable you know, so these, these students are very lucky and you've done such a wonderful job and uh, great thank team. you so much for spending this time with me i really i know you're so busy uh, but this is wonderful and i great to see you you look great oh, so you great Keep thank great you we're doing living healthy yes well i am and I'm, i do want to mention i'm glad you mentioned that you've relieved your stress by going on the treadmill you use some fitness and exercise and that's a great way to do it and i think some many of us are realizing how or a lot of people are learning that is so important to do for our overall health so thanks really for saying is. that as well okay Really appreciate it. Dr. Har Harvey Kesselman, president of the Richard Stockton of Richard Stockton University. And I hope to see you again soon, Doctor. You sure will. All right. You, you take will. care. All right. And you for too. being with us today, Dr. Harvey Kesselman, president of Stockton University. And thank you for joining me for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Don't forget to subscribe to be updated on our most recent episode. I hope to see you again next time. Until then, please stay safe and keep living well.